Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder here at Generations Church, and with me as always is my friend and the lead pastor at Generations, Jeff Luddington. How's it going this week, Jeff? I am your trusty sidekick. I am doing well. I am, I feel prepared, man. I feel like we got this. I think this is a, a great question today. So I'm, I'm good, man. I'm excited. Good, good. Yeah. I'm, I was going to throw in there that this is the time in summer break where I totally lose track of what day it is. I don't know what day it is either. I just know that these <laughs> podcast episodes come out on Tuesday. And right. so for wherever you are, wherever you're listening, it's Tuesday. Welcome. Happy Tuesday. Yep. When I hear my neighbors rolling out their trash cans, I know it's Wednesday. There you go. That's, that's the only way I know. All right, so questions from the classroom series. We're still answering questions that students have asked in our classrooms. And uh, let me preface this one with a Bible verse. We're going to dig right into the Bible right off the bat. Mark 10, 27. Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. So a student asked this question. If nothing is impossible with God, if God is almighty, why can't he just take sin away? Yeah, that's a great question. So clearly, Rob and I are not very good teachers because it's summer and we're still answering questions. And so uh, we need to improve our game. Um, Hey, I think there's three ways in all seriousness to answer this. This is a a great question. I think at some point in our faith, everybody just wants to know like, okay, God can do everything. Like I believe God is omnipotent, which means all powerful, right? That God is almighty. It's another way of saying that can do anything. Why not just get rid of sin? Like, I'm so sick of sin, my sin, others' sin, or the impacts of sin, right? And so um, last week we talked about um, the, you know, uh, infant death and and disabilities, and, and all those are a result of sin in this world, being born broken, right? And so why not just get rid of sin? And so I think there's three ways that we need to talk about this. One, why even allow sin in creation, right? Why allow it, right? Then what about sin in our lives today? How do we, what, why doesn't God get rid of sin in our lives? Like when we come to faith, why, why doesn't God do that? What also ultimately or eternally does God actually get rid of sin? So I think we can approach it in those three sections. All right, so let's start with sin in the garden. Uh, from Genesis 2, 15 to 17, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So the question that a lot of students would ask on this is, why even put that tree there? Why even allow for the possibility of sin to enter the picture? Right. If God is almighty, why let the problem happen, right? Um, Real quick, uh, on the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so death is a result of sin. So when I back up to that last statement, right? Infant death or disabilities. It's not a person's sin equals a person's death or disability. Like Jesus deals with this at one point in the gospels when he tells his disciples, they say, hey, that guy's blind. Is it his parents' sin or his sin that made him blind? He's like, neither one, right? It's sin in in the world. And so I said that earlier, but I want to, I want to qualify that, right? If somebody is, you know, sick in your life or dies or whatever, it's not a specific sin that equals that. Unless someone gets drunk and drives and kills somebody, of course, that's a sin-related death. But you guys get the point. Okay, so the answer is worship. So why allow sin 
into the world. And that's because God created us to be worshipers. Two episodes ago, we talked about angels and their created purpose. Their design is to worship, right? And some have fallen away from that. Many still do that. Humanity was designed to worship God too. And that's not what we do on Sundays when we sing. That's an, another word for bring glory to God in all things or obey, right? The only way to worship God is to be fully obedient to God. And so obedience is a requirement of worship. And in order to be obedient, there has to be an opportunity for disobedience, right? And so what happens there is God says, hey, here's all this stuff in the world. It's all good for you, right? All of it, except one thing, right? And we highlight the one thing. It's like there's 500 choices and 499 of them are wrong, but that's not what God does. It's like 499 of them are right and one is wrong. And he just says, hey, don't do this one thing. This will kill you. It's like, you know, don't touch that. It's poison, you know, or, you know, don't eat that. It'll kill you. That's what he says. And so, so they, he gives them this, this really ultimately perfect world and he is almighty. And so uh, he gives that to them, but our purpose requires that we uh, obey. And so the opportunity for disobedience was there. But when humanity sins, and we all know humanity sins, we know the story goes, right on the heels of that, the very next thing God does is this. It's, in, it's one chapter later in Genesis 3. It says, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So evil, Satan, you know, tempts and misleads humanity. Humanity sins, their fault, but then God curses Satan. But he also says this, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. In other words, sin is going to plague humanity from here on forward. But, he says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And that's actually the first sharing of the gospel. God says, he, Jesus, is going to come and crush your head, even though you're going to bruise his heel. In other words, you're going to have a momentary victory, and that's the cross, right? but he's going to crush your head. So right there in the garden at the advent of sin, God Almighty deals with sin and promises to remove it and overcome it eventually. We'll call it that, right? In time, God will do that. So we have this promise. We have a Savior who has come and, and died for us, but we still live in a time of sin, right? We all have to deal with that. So what about sin in our lives today? Right. Yeah, just hearing God is going to deal with it eternally, I think is probably what we hear a lot of. And it's comforting, but in the moment, sometimes you're like, hey, I'm living right now. I'm not in eternity yet. I'm, I'm right now. And so in Hebrews 9, um, it says, For Christ is entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So let's pause there for a second. So Hebrews 924, Christ has gone through the life, death, and resurrection and ascension and has gone into God's presence, right? Holy places, God's presence, right? To true things, into heaven itself, it says, to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So right now, Christ stands as mediator between us and God, right? Not just for forgiveness, but for redemption, for the other side of that, for the reconciliation of us to our creative purpose. So verse 26 he goes on so a couple of verses later. He says, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So Jesus has already done away with sin eternally, right? Verse 27, 
And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting him. So we get this middle view, right? The, the, the part we're in now. So Jesus has been promised to fix it, and then Jesus has come and fixed it, but we live in this season where Jesus is standing on our behalf, and, and we all know in our faith, right, that we, we come to faith back here, and we're full of these sins over here, and God begins to deal with them in Christ, and through the Holy Spirit, sanctify or make us more like Jesus, and Jesus stands there on our behalf, uh, you know, standing in for us and speaking to God, like, hey, let's help this, right, you know, whatever it might be, and, and so our lives are filled with sanctification, so God in his power through Christ, is taking away our sin. Maybe it's one at a time when we have a million, but it, he is transforming us. Now, that doesn't mean we'll ever be perfect. We've got so many sins that, that we will never be perfect in this life, but God is, in his power, through Christ, removing our sin. It says Jesus will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save us who are eagerly awaiting him. Right? So in this life, though we struggle, we're awaiting Christ's return, and God is taking away our sin. Okay, so we looked at how God deals with sin in the garden, how God deals with sin in our lives today. Um, we've covered this in previous episodes, but let's focus at the end of this on um, how does God deal with sin eternally? Right. And we, we have covered this verse, um, but it's just the best verse for this, right? So Revelation 21 uh, we just did a two-part series uh, a few episodes ago on Revelation, and uh, I would say Revelation 20, 21, and 22 is the only solid future-looking part of that book, that the rest of it applies now. It's who Jesus is now. It's what we're going through now, like sin, like struggles on earth, right? But Revelation 21 paints this picture of eternity, and it starts off in verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. So new heaven, new earth, new existence. And the new part is because of sin. It's the removal of sin that we're talking about. And it's the removal of sin that we're going to see dealt with here, right? So a couple of verses later, it says, He, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And so this is that point right here where he's saying, listen, this new existence, this eternity, this is how it's going to be forever, not just this short little span we call life, which to be fair for us is all we know and it seems like it takes forever, but forever is actually eternity, right? It says for the former things have passed away. Sin has now passed away. Brokenness, curse, evil, Satan, all gone, right? The removal of sin. So 20 verses later, in verse 24, it says, By its light the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. So it's image-driven, all nations, all kingdoms, all coming together under Jesus. It'll never be night. Darkness isn't coming back. And it says this, verse 26, They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, verse 27, but nothing unclean will ever enter in it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. Only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So here's what he says. Sin will never come back, right? Jesus has taken care of the issue of sin once for all. That's what Hebrews said, right? And so now Revelation shows us when that actually is fully realized, fully consummated. Sin is gone forever, right? Nothing unclean, verse 27, nothing unclean will ever enter into it. 
to this new creation, nor anyone who does what is detestable for us, so no bad things, no bad people, only those who are in Christ, written in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? Only believers who have been redeemed by God. Sin is removed. So we see a perfect earth created, the garden. We see a perfect city coming at the end. Um, we currently live in the in-between with sin. Right. And because of sin, because of our own sin, because of the sin of others, um, we deal with a lot of suffering. And so in upcoming episodes, we've had a lot of students um, in their questions have asked questions about suffering. If God is, is good, if God is, is loving, why does he allow suffering? But I, I just, I love this, the circle we see, this beautiful circle mm -hmm. of a beginning that is perfect, and it comes around in sin, and then there's an ending that is perfect. The middle part that we're in now is temporary. It's that end that we're always right. focusing on, always looking to. All of our focus, all of our decisions should be based upon that. We know eternally we're going to be able to live without sin. Yeah, there's a beautiful picture of this in Scripture, and uh, it begins with, and I said, all these trees are good for you, and I, I always use the fake number of 500, right? I just make up, because there's a whole bunch, right? A whole bunch of species of trees and fruit and food and all that, and there's one bad. But there's also another tree, the tree of life, that exists in the garden, right? And the tree of life is removed uh, after sin enters into human history. It pops back up, interestingly enough, in Proverbs, talking about wisdom, right? And then it returns. It's given back to humanity. And when I say this, the tree of life is mentioned in Proverbs, but it's returned in Revelation. So right there in that chapter, Revelation 21 and 22, in that section where eternity is realized, the tree of life comes back. And so there's two ways of looking at it. Like you said, there's that circle, starts good, gets bad, comes back. That's like every, you know, rom-com movie ever, right? There's a beginning and then there's the, you know, this thing that goes good, then somebody, then normally a guy screws it up. And then there's the redemption in the end of the guy and gets the girl and whatever, right? Or we can also see it from garden to city to kingdom, right? That this thing is being realized. What God had intended is being realized. It's just the messy middle. And just like marriage, you know, you you go through struggles and then you make a better marriage as you stick it out. It's kind of like that. As, as we purge, as, uh, let me say this, as Jesus purges sin in us, as God redeems us, we go through hardship, but the end is worth it, right? And so whether you see it as kind of the circle that comes back to a sinless creation, which is true, or you see it as the growth of what God designed and we come into it at the end and it's perfect, either way, what we get is a beautiful hope, a beautiful ending, and God Almighty removes sin. Excellent. All right, so we're going to end there. We want to thank you for listening. Again, we release a new podcast every Tuesday. Uh, we hope you'll share it with your friends, listen to it with your kids, start some discussions, uh, like it, subscribe to it, leave us some comments. If you have questions you'd like us to address on the show, questions at generations.email is where you need to send those. And we pray that God will bless you this coming week. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.